podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Mandy Briggs, the author of Love Plus Gratitude Journal, a 20-week guide to shifting your inner dialogue. Mandy Briggs is a life coach, yogi, and avid storyteller whose work inspires women across the globe to live a bold, brave, and authentic life. After 13-plus years in corporate America, she set off on a brave adventure to transform her own life. The adventure found her divorcing her husband, quitting her cushy job, and selling every possession she owned to travel solo around the world. Her latest piece, Love Plus Gratitude Journal, was inspired by her own transformational journey. Through published works, workshops, retreats, yoga classes, and individual coaching, she helps women gain clarity and confidence to take inspired action toward the life they desire helping people discover more joy and peace while realizing all that is possible lights her up. Mandy lives and works in Edmond, Oklahoma. Meet Mandy at simplymandy.com. Here is the interview with Mandy Briggs. In your own words, who is Mandy Briggs? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think really it boils down to being an explorer. I love an adventurous life and adventure looks different every day. Some days it's navigating work. Some days it's off exploring the unknown or walking through nature. And some days exploring is just getting curious with my own thoughts and going inward. But since I was a little girl, I've always been very, very curious I ask a lot of questions and I love to just sit and hear people's stories and give people space and time and energy to relate and connect with each other. Um, So I just, yeah, I love life and I love to explore. And I think at my heart, that's who I am. Mm, That sounds wonderful to me. Thank you for being you (laughs) with this amazing energy. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, love Plus, Gratitude Journal, a 20-week guide to shifting your inner dialogue. I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. So the first one had to be this one. What is another word for gratitude? That is a really good question. I think love is a good alternative word for it. When I think about the ways I give gratitude to myself and to those around me and back to this earth that I live on, I also know that I give love and appreciation in much the same way. I think they're interchangeable. Yeah, 
I agree, Brandy. And since this is one of my questions, what love is, that would be interesting if you just leave it at that. It's gratitude. But what would you say if I ask you the question, what is love to you? Would you say that or something else? I definitely think I would say it's gratitude and a deep appreciation, but love is so profound to me. I think it's a feeling, it's a way of living, it's a way of being. And at our core, I think it's who we are as humans. It's an essence, really. It's challenging for so many of us to see that and to have this perspective about life or about what love is. I think so often we deny it for ourselves and we deny giving it to others. And I think that leads me back to the journal that I created is the love that we all seek from each other and that we seek in material goods that we buy really starts with loving ourselves first. And I think that's hard for a lot of people. Oh, wow. And that's one of my favorite subjects, (laughs) self-love. For now, let me ask you three questions about life itself. What is life to you? That's a really good thought to ponder, life. I think it's being present in this moment. It's connection. It's seeing with your eyes and hearing your ears and just feeling. I think it's a presence. What do you think is the opposite of life? I think many would say the opposite of life is death. But to me, death may be the loss of our physical form, but I feel like we still go on. So I, I don't know what the opposite of life would be for me. What do you think is the purpose of this human experience, this human journey? You know, I think at the end of the day, it boils down to love. And I know I keep going back to that word, but I think we're all called to love each other. And there are lessons that we need to learn and experience in this human form to allow ourselves to get that to that really deep place of love and appreciation and gratitude. And each of us is experiencing that in multiple ways on any given day, which is why our lives are so different. Yeah, true. So true. So different. But we can share this deep knowing, right? That's amazing that we can even communicate that deep knowing. The next two questions relate to being a female in a human body. What do you love the most about being a woman? I love the freedom to express my emotions. I think as a female in human form, um, society is more acceptable of us expressing our emotions. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't come with judgment when we cry or we get angry or we get frustrated. But I love that I have permission to express that where I look at my male counterparts and um, there is a lot of shame that comes with expressing emotions. And they've been taught from a very young age to suppress those emotions. And I love the freedom that I have as a female to be vulnerable in that way. That's a wonderful answer that I can relate with very much. And that's true about men. Yeah. Do you try to help them, the men around you? (laughs) Yeah, I do. And I think that as females, the more we can show up as ourselves and the more we can be vulnerable and put ourselves out there in that way and let the men in our lives know it's okay to show up and I will love you and I will respect you and I will listen, the more 
they're going to open up and the more they'll be willing to show up in that way. And somebody just needs to give them permission to do it. That's another wonderful answer. Thank you for your wisdom so far. Amazingly beautiful. So I have the other question about being a female in a human body, in a human form, as you said, is what is the most challenging aspect about being a woman? I think for me, it's being taken seriously. You know, because I am willing to show up and I am willing to be vulnerable and I'm willing to show my emotions and even ask tough questions and admit when I don't know things and ask for help. I think our world has um, put a lot of pressure that you must know things and that you, if you don't know, you fake it until you make it. And that's just not how I choose to operate. And I think that that's hard because I don't gain respect from others because I'm willing to say, I don't know. And let me find answers or let me do some research or I need help. What a wonderful way to live this life, just being you without any shame. Well, I think it was hard to start showing up in that way. And I think there are so many of us in this healing community who are teachers and coaches and healers that learning to live in our authentic self and to show up that way, despite what society says around us, um, can be difficult in the beginning. But once you do, there's so much joy and peace that comes with it. True. So true. My next question is about freedom. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? For me, it's a feeling of shackles off. And let me explain that. (laughs) I was trained in the coaching industry by a woman named Martha Beck, and I absolutely adore her. And she taught us really a mind-body connection. And I do a lot of work based on my intuition. And I have gotten so familiar with what my body tells me and my really gut instinct that if something is not for me or it doesn't serve me well, I get this shackles on feeling, a tightness in my chest and in my fists and in my biceps. And so for freedom for me is the lack of that feeling. It's shackles off, like an openness and expansiveness. So whether I'm looking at um, my financial situation, or I'm looking at a coaching client, or I'm looking at a way to travel or a new love in my life, it's this feeling of openness and expansiveness, like I'm not being shackled down. Does it happen, even though you're aware of that? And does this still happen sometimes? Is that normal if that comes, those feelings? Absolutely. Because I am so aware of them, I can tell when they're coming on. And I think this goes back to my curious nature. I know the questions I need to ask myself to determine, is this is it the situation that's not for me or is it a timing thing? And I just get really curious and I ask myself tough questions before I make decisions. And that's a wonderful thing to do. I'll ask you that question later. <laughs> what kinds of questions that we should be asking ourselves in certain moments? And my next question here has to do with the current situation. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? I am going to go back to the word love. I am so heartbroken as I look around the world right now dealing with even the COVID-19 and the quarantine situation. And I feel like there's a lot of shame on we should wear masks. We shouldn't wear masks. This is a conspiracy. There are all of these theories out there. But in the beginning, when we all were facing this 
virus as a world, we came together in love and we said, well, we've got each other's backs. We'll get through this. And now we're getting back to just hating each other. And then you move on to the Black Lives Matter movement going on here in the United States. And same thing. Um, there's just a lot of hatred going on when the movement itself is founded in love. And I think that's what the world reads means right now is for us to come together as a community to hold hands with our brothers and sisters and learn to love without restriction, without judgment, without constraints. And I think we'd be a better place for it. Oh boy, yes. <laughs> a thousand times to that for sure. <laughs> and that it seems like there's a lot of healing that needs to be done, right? So to uncover those truths. I live them. Absolutely. I have two more questions for you. The next one's about inner peace. What is your understanding and idea of inner peace? My idea of inner peace is being able to navigate life and the highs and lows, knowing that they'll both be there with ease. I think there is a misconception that life must be hard. I love to work with my clients who kind of walk this hero's journey. We've been taught it since we were little that you have this princess in distress and there is somebody who comes in to save her and or you watch the movies and you've got a main character who's going along and then something terrible happens in their life and then there's redemption at the end. And so we're taught that life has to be hard. And inner peace for me is when obstacles come at me or life challenges me in ways that I can still navigate it without having it to be hard. I think that life really can be easy if we let it. And that is inner peace to me, is finding that ease to navigate this journey. Yes, and I agree. What does it take to get there, to get to the stage of being, of being at peace with ourselves? Mm, I think it's a willingness to go inward. So many, and myself included, early on in my journey, I was very resistant to asking myself tough questions and to listening to what bubbled up inside of me. I think I was scared of what that response would be. And so I began to live for other people rather than for myself. And I think that really to find inner peace, you have to be willing to go inward and ask the tough questions and, and do some hard work. It might be simple, but it's not easy, right? Yeah, right. And that might be the biggest challenge of all to face that life, it's not easy and that's okay. Well, we can do it. <laughs> we can absolutely. Yes. What, where, and who is God to you? God to me is undescribable. I think with our limited human minds, that there aren't words adequate enough for how big or how spacious or how expansive God is. God is a being, an energy, a presence that is love at its most divine essence. And I think that God is all around us. I don't think of heaven or hell as like an above or below, but a, maybe just another energetic level than what we're currently on. I like the way you connected God to love. Yes, and perhaps more precisely, unconditional love, right? Yes, yes. That's a great term. Yeah. So let's talk about your work. And my first question is, how did you become a writer? <laughs> mm, I've been writing since I was 
a child. I remember I was in the third grade and I wrote my first, I'm going to say book that was never published. Um, and it was about a little boy who had cancer and where it came from and how it came out, out of me. I have no idea, but I have always loved to tell stories and to write stories. And I began blogging as I traveled the world several years ago. I started a blog and it was a way for me to connect with my family and friends back home. And I wanted my family and friends to recognize this journey that I was on and that a journey is more than just traveling the earth, but really it was the the journey of me going inward and what I discovered and how it related to the external world around me. And as I began to tell my stories and I wrote my stories, my journal was kind of formed from my own journey that I went through. Did you have a intention when you wrote the book, Love Plus Gratitude Journal? Um, I did. My, my intention behind the journal was to serve my clients, honestly. I, as I went through my own personal journey, I found myself traveling the world. And um, I went through a really dark period where I had divorced my husband and I had left a corporate job and I was struggling to figure out who my identity was as Mandy. For so long, I had been a we as part of my marriage and I often identified myself as my ex-husband's wife or as Mrs. in his name. And I needed to know that I could stand alone and I was whole and healthy and I could be happy on my own before I could bring that to anyone else. And that was a journey I'd never been exposed to before. And as I did that, it was a really interesting that happened to me. I stumbled across a book, a journal online, and um, I remember the night I ordered it. It was off Amazon and I had really been in a dark place, a really dark place. And I was reading it and the description of the book said, you write yourself a love letter every single day. And I thought, I don't even know what I'd say to myself. Like, I don't love who I am. So I ordered this book and I started out the first week just kind of writing and journaling like you normally would. And then somewhere within that first week, I went back to the description of the book and I read on the back cover and it said, you're supposed to write a love letter to yourself. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I'm just, I'm just freeform writing. I need to work on a love letter to myself. So for 360 days, I wrote a love letter to myself every single day. And it was so powerful. When I go back and reread the early love letters I wrote to myself, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to speak to myself. Um, I was so hard on myself. And then to now, five years later, I'm still doing it. I write myself a love letter every single morning and I've kept all of my journals. So what is interesting though is when I decided to use this exercise with my clients, because I found so many clients that I was that I was coaching were really hard on themselves. And I could repeat their story to them. And as if it was a friend of mine who had come along or an acquaintance and say, hey, what should I tell them to do? And they would give themselves the exact advice that they needed to hear, but they wouldn't take it. So I started having them write a love letter to themselves. And really my, my journal was born. I had also um, been working on a gratitude journal and I thought, why not bring the two ideas together? And what I find most fascinating is I went back to my original book that I ordered online and I pulled out some of my original love letters to myself. And nowhere in that book does it say to write a love letter to yourself. I have read the intro pages. I have read the back cover. I've gone back to the website where I ordered it. Nowhere 
did it say to write a love letter to yourself? So I feel like it was divine intervention of the way I needed to heal myself and God speaking to me saying, love yourself first. Mm. And that is such an important thing to do. And I'm glad you did it. I don't know of any other journals with this message. I have talked to guests about it, but I don't remember reading the love specific sections for love letters to ourselves. So this is an important work, very important work and inspiring though. You made me think here. So I think this is a good time to ask you this question. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I do. I don't always practice it. I'll, <laughs> I'll be the first to admit that I still have days where I'm hard on myself, but I really believe in living a bold and brave and authentic life. And in order for me to do that, it starts with loving myself. You know, you asked earlier, what does the world need right now? And one thing that I discovered on my travels is um, regardless of what religion, if you buy into religion, um, you are, I began to study Catholicism. I am also a yoga instructor. And so I was studying yoga philosophy. I've looked into the Jewish religion. And even um, as I traveled, I met with Hindu and Buddhists and and went to several temples. And as I talked to these people and I, I discussed their versions of their religion to them, everybody came back to a very similar message that at the end of the day, love your neighbor as yourself, or if all else fails, there's love. And it really made me recognize that when there is so much hate and, and frustration and um, just anger in the world right now, how are we treating ourselves? If we could start by having unconditional love for ourselves, even when we mess up or even when there's anger, just loving ourselves through that process of expressing emotion, then imagine the relationships we could show up in. Imagine how we could show up in our work and in our purpose in this world. It would be a much beautiful, much more beautiful place to live. Let me ask you this question. Do you think it's possible to love others and care for others as a practice to love ourselves and care for ourselves? I think absolutely. I think our relationships with others are a reflection to us of what we need. Oftentimes when I'm most frustrated with somebody or I'm sad about something, I can look at that situation or that person and it's really a reflection of something I need to acknowledge within myself that I've been denying. So I think that it's important as part of our journey to loving ourselves, to love others and to put ourselves out there and and risk our heart and be vulnerable with other people, whether it's in a platonic relationship or a friendship or um, a marriage, we need others to help us see what we aren't able to recognize ourselves within us. What a wonderful answer. And that's true. It's almost like as a message, a reflection of what we need to do for ourselves. Absolutely. (laughs) Because a lot of people feel the word is overwhelmed by helping, trying so hard to love others. And then they don't have that love in return. And then they get frustrated. And then there's a lot of problems. So it's because they are not really focused or not seeing the message. What an interesting reflection for this moment, because I didn't think about this before talking to you about it. That makes sense. A lot of sense to me. What inspired you to become a life coach and also a yogi? You know, I never thought I would, I would be a life coach or a yoga instructor, but I found my way to my yoga mat 
uh, by way of an, a running and a, a injury, excuse me, I was a runner and I had hurt my knee. And for a long time, I couldn't do things, but I just knew I needed to move my body. And I remember the first time yoga became spiritual for me. I was on my yoga mat and I was actually at a retreat in Bali and I was laying on my yoga mat with 14 strangers from around the world. I, I didn't know until that week. And I found acceptance from them that I didn't know I needed. And it really began again with accepting myself and the struggle that I was on and being okay with where I was in my life and the changes I'd been through. And so I'm sitting or I'm laying in my yoga mat in Shavasana and um, I heard a voice so distinct. I sat straight up in my yoga mat as if somebody was speaking to me and it said, um, this is who you are. This is who you've always been. We've just peeled back layers. And I felt again, like there was a divine intervention. And I knew at that point, as I had tears streaming down my face, that yoga was much more than the movements, um, which is what I had been practicing up until that point. And I knew I had to share that gift with others. Um, if it could touch me in that way, I knew it had the power to touch other lives. And where I'm from in Oklahoma, yoga was very much an alternative exercise class that you could go to. It, it didn't resonate with people on a spiritual level. And I had a yoga friend of mine who was another teacher say, Mandy, your job is to meet people where they are. And I thought, okay, but I want to teach them the, the spiritual aspect of yoga, not just the physical benefits. Mm -hmm. And he said, yes, but they show up for the physical and they leave with the spiritual because you've taught them that along the way. And the same thing is true for life coaching. As I, as I, found my way into that career path, I realized that it's always been my calling. I've always helped people. I've always mentored people. I've been curious and asked the right questions. And the more comfortable I got going inward, the more comfortable I was encouraging others to take that same journey and walking alongside them. And again, I can meet them right where they were. I didn't need to fix them. I didn't need um, them to be further along on their journey. I could just be right there with them. And the two pair so nicely, yoga and life coaching, because both are about this really deep journey of going inward if you're willing and ready to take it. Wow, that's a great combination that I never heard about. Wonderful combination. And I never thought about this idea that people will come to the classes, yoga classes, with this idea of getting fit. But then the teacher, knowing that, would allow that anyway, because she or he knows that in the end, they will understand the message. I see that. I see that a lot. And what, um, as an instructor, when I walk into a class, I can read the room. And you know there are those who will be very physical and, and a little bit competitive. And I recognize that that's just where they're at in their life. And either they need that outside validation from others, um, but I can honor where they are in their journey. And then I can also read the room and see the woman in the back who is quiet and shy and uncertain. And I know that I can meet her right where she is and she'll get the benefit physically and spiritually that she's looking for. That's a very clear vision. <laughs> um, I didn't have that back then. <laughs> it's getting better now, but... <laughs> it took me a long time to get there. <laughs> right. Ah, what a journey. A wonderful journey this is, right, Mandy? Life. Yeah, it's beautiful. So let me ask you this question. How do we know when we are living an authentic life? I think you know you're living authentically when 
your opinion matters more than those around you. And I say that, and and what I mean by that is that not you're not going to do something without you know, conversing with your spouse or your parents or getting input from others. But at the end of the day, if you're more worried about disappointing yourself than disappointing someone else, that's when you know you're living authentically. You're showing up for what matters in your heart, what you feel called to do. And you're following that pull, knowing that it will never lead you astray. It may not make sense in the moment. And it may take months or even years before you can reflect back and say, oh, that's the dots I was connecting. But when you can show up and you're more worried about disappointing yourself than others, I think that's how you know you're living authentically. I am wondering now, how do we balance being authentic, listening to our own selves and honoring us, but at the same time, doing the same thing for others or people around us? Mm, That's a great point. You know, I think the way I try to practice it is if I can recognize where others are on their journey and show them love and kindness for knowing that either A, I've been there or B, I will get there at some point. And just respecting that they are here to learn lessons just like I am. And if I try to rush people along or I try to fix people or I um, hold judgment against them based on what they're experiencing or what they're feeling, then I may be denying them the very lesson they're sent here to learn. And can I just walk alongside them, hold their hand, listen, offer perspective, but be okay if they don't take my advice? Because at the end of the day, it's about them. It's not about me. How about people who you recognize as those that that will not change in this lifetime? For some reason, they have some challenges and impediments, perhaps from different lifetimes. Who knows the mystery of all? What would you do in this case? In that case, yes, you can definitely tell when you're being met with resistance. Um, You know, I heard a piece by Eckhart Tolle not not too long ago where he was saying, I'm I'm currently reading his book, um, A New Earth, and he was talking about the book and he said, you know, it's a very tough book to read and it's not for some people. You know, you can give it as a gift and somebody may pick it up and think, this is not for me. And it sits on the bookshelf and five, 10 years later, they pick it up and they think now's the time. And suddenly the messages resonate and they think, gosh, why didn't I read this 10 years ago when I got it? (laughs) And I think it's a lot like that when I meet people with resistance is I recognize that they're they're unwilling to change right now. And I, I can see that's not where they're at in their journey. They're not there. But can I drop little nuggets of information, um, whether it's sharing my own story, my own testimony, um, encouraging them, asking the right questions, and it may not click today. And those questions may not click five years from now, but it may be 70 years from now, or like you said, in another lifetime where that comes about. But if I know that I have somehow impacted them and shown them love, shown them kindness, and maybe something they're not giving themselves, that I can be a part of their healing journey, whether it's immediate or lifetimes from now. I love that, Mandy. Your main message is profound, choosing love anyway. Yeah. Regardless. And it's not easy to do at all times, but I think it's important. What do you suggest we do when negative self-talk has become a sort of a, a habit or an obsession, an addiction perhaps? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it can very much be an addiction. Yeah. What I love about the journal, I'm going to start there, is that it helps you to realize the ways in which you're speaking negatively to yourself. Oftentimes, people don't realize the amount of negative self-talk that goes on within their head. I have many friends and even clients who will start with a disclaimer like, oh, I didn't really mean that, or I'm not as smart as you, or I know I don't have the same background as you. And it's like, but that doesn't make you any less of an expertise or an an expert in whatever you're going to ask, or that doesn't discredit you from what you're trying to say. But even those subtle words of like, well, I know I didn't go to Stanford, well, that that's a small little jab at yourself. And it's it's a form of negative self-talk that you may not even recognize. And we use it often to deflect the attention away from ourselves or to discredit ourselves or use it as a disclaimer for if we come off rude or we come off uneducated. And it's just really not necessary. You can show up as yourself and that's okay. That's the beautiful thing about it. Mm, so yeah. the negative self chatter needs to be recognized first and it is sneaky and it hides and it comes in ways that we don't even recognize. So one, I think bringing awareness to it, which is where the journal comes into play. And then a lot of times I would ask yourself, I think one of the best questions you can ask yourself is what am I making this mean? And really that becomes like, if I am frustrated about something I, or if I'm frustrated with someone else, for an example, because I, I told you that I think people often are mirrors for us or they reflect yeah. things back just we need to ask. Oh, yeah. So if I'm frustrated with someone, I can say, what am I making this mean about myself? I'm not being heard or I'm not smart enough. And then we can really sit with that and say, is that true? Maybe I don't know about their subject, but I'm really smart. So I love to, one ask ourselves, what are we making this mean about ourselves when we go into that negative self-chatter? And then we've, we've got to find the root of it. And a lot of times it's based in fear. Um, there are fears of not being enough or of being too much. Uh, what will people think of me is a fear that often comes up. Um, unworthiness is another one. And we need to get to the root of that and recognize where we are worthy and how we are worthy and how we are enough. And that's where the love letter comes in. We can recognize it in others, but it's often hard to see in ourselves. And this thing about being an expert, that's an interesting idea because we are the only ones who are really the experts of ourselves. Nobody can do that job, right? Being us. Yes, absolutely. You know, I talk to a lot of people about how life experience makes you an expert. For sure. Yeah. Some of the best lessons we ever learned didn't come from textbooks. Mm. That is so um, important to understand too. That's another powerful message. Experience is really important, which we all do. We experience life every day. We are life itself. Do you recommend meditation for that? Oh, I absolutely love meditation. I think it is so important to get quiet and to find stillness. I can say as Americans, we are wired for productivity and to unplug ourselves from that mentality and to sit and be still and alone with our thoughts can be terrifying for people, but it is so healthy to bring about the awareness you're talking about. Um, 
when you can begin to recognize the thoughts going through your head and almost separating yourself from them. I like to think of it as if my thoughts were actors on a stage and I'm sitting in the audience watching them (laughs) and I can be like, who, who is that fool that says you're not experienced enough or you're not loved enough. So meditation is great for being able to really separate yourself from your thoughts and then quiet that negative inner voice that's going on. Yeah. And I also wonder why so many of us don't, engage on meditation? Do you think it's because of fear of getting to know our own selves? Yes. I think people are scared of what will come up. And and I can speak for myself here. I ran for a long time. I was running from my problems. I was running from my past. I was running from myself because I was terrified of what I would find. And and the truth is when I finally sat down and got, got quiet, I loved what I found. I have a few phrases here that I found to be powerful, one of which was notice what your body and heart are telling you. How do we learn to do that on a daily basis? I uh, love, I have this exercise called the body compass and it really is about sitting still. And this is great to do alongside your meditation and just taking a body scan from the crown of your head all the way down to the tips of your toes. And it starts with noticing what areas are tight and tense because oftentimes we're clenching our jaw or we're furrowing our brow without even recognizing we're doing so. So you start taking that scan of the body and you notice what's going on and where there are things that are tight. And at the same time, you can't acknowledge the heaviness without also acknowledging the lightness. Where do I feel open? Where can I breathe deeply or what feels pain-free? So I say start there and then we take that scan a layer deeper and I want you to scan your head space and your heart space, what thoughts and feelings and emotions are coming up and then recognize if there's any correlation because if you're sitting and you get still and you get curious enough, you can see that when I'm feeling the anger, that's when my jaw tenses. When I feel happiness about what my day holds, that's when my, I begin to smile. And you see the correlation between the physical feeling and the thought and emotion that's going on. And that's the mind-body connection for me. Do you also recommend to work with breathing exercises outside or apart from meditation? Yes, I love breathing. I do a lot of that in my yoga classes. Um, One of the things I love to tell my students in yoga to do is to take three deep breaths. And that is an avid part of my practice through any class I teach. And there has been scientific evidence to show that when you take three deep breaths in any given situation, it can alter the chemical reaction in your brain. So when we're met with obstacles or frustration, and this goes back to navigating life with ease, is that when we're met with those obstacles, which are inevitable, if we can pause and know to take three deep breaths and inhaling all the way down to our low belly, and then exhaling that deep breath, we can slow the chemical reactions in our brain and respond to life from a much healthier state. So I have several different breathing exercises I tend to practice on my own and in yoga classes, but that's the one that I think is the best tool in your toolkit that anyone can use. Yeah, it sounds very good to me. And I practice it every day and I see how effective it is immediately. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. How do we know when we are listening to our hearts and not the mind or thoughts from other people? (laughs) 
outside influences? Great question. For me, what I what I think it is is really that first gut reaction that comes up. That thing you want to say but you're too scared to say it, that's your heart talking. So if I'm looking at a relationship that I'm in that I might be struggling with or or a coworker situation that I'm struggling with and I'm like I need to quit, but I don't want to say that out loud and I want to stuff it down, that's your intuition speaking to you and it's when you begin to rationalize it or justify all the reasons you stay in a relationship or at a job or whatever it might be, that's the outside influences coming in. That's your mind speaking. And it takes some practice and it takes some work to really understand that distinction. But we we often stuff down and quiet that inner voice when really that's the thing we need to listen to most. Do you think it goes back to fear? I think it, it comes back to um, many of those fears I mentioned before, the fear of not being good enough. Um, what if nobody loves me? What will people think of me? You know, what what will I do for money? You're, you're so scared. And fear has a place in our lives if you're willing to stop and recognize it. Uh, I love to sit with my emotions. I told you I'm an emotional <laughs> yeah. female. Yeah. And when fear is present in my life, Instead of pushing it away, which is what I was taught from the time I was little, or ignoring it, instead I sit with it and I say, okay, fear, you have a seat at this table. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. What are you scared of? And I, again, I listen. And then at the end of, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, my meditation, I'll say, okay, I appreciate you for keeping me safe and trying to keep me small and in my comfort zone. But right now I'm going to take a chance. So I appreciate you, but I'm still going to do this other thing. You play with it. <laughs> oh, it it becomes a relationship. Yes. Yeah. I like that, Mandy. That's fun. <laughs> In speaking of questions that you ask, what were the most profound questions you have asked yourself? If you can remember, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think the first one that comes to mind is, what are you making this mean? And I began to realize if I asked myself, if I quit my job, what am I making this mean? And I recognized that it meant I was a failure. Or if I leave my husband, what am I making this mean? Again, I'm a failure. And so by asking myself, what am I making this mean? I was able to get to the root of a lot of my fears and began to recognize why I was choosing to listen to outside influences instead of listening to my own inner voice. So what if, what am I making this mean is one of my favorite questions to ask. Um, Gosh, I think you can also ask like, whose opinion matters here? That's another good one. And I began to say, oh, I'm, this is where I can recognize. Nope, I'm letting somebody else's opinion outweigh my own inner voice, or I'll be disappointed in myself if I don't listen to me here. So that's another one I like to ask frequently. We're almost at the end. I have one more question here. In your book, you also said something that I found to be profound. Uh, I think it was on the week. 12, uh, you wrote, your words and your attitude are everything. That's so true. So how do we learn to choose better words? That's a great question. Well, first of all, I'll tell you, at the beginning of each week, those sayings and those statements are actual statements pulled from my own love letters to myself. And I think in that moment, and what I was going through at that time, I felt like my words and my attitude and how I was showing up weren't authentic to me. They were being influenced by others and I was letting my 
outside situations dictate my own behavior. And I could see a disconnect between how I wanted to show up in the world and how I was currently showing up in the world. And I think that one awareness is key. So when you can look at your words and step back and say, "Mm, I should have chosen better words, then that just brings an awareness to, I, I have some work to do on the things I'm saying and how I'm showing up. And you can go back to using the three deep breaths before you respond to any given situation. You can ask yourself, what are you making this mean? And If you can do that and practice that on a daily basis, whether it's through your meditation time or through journaling, it gets easier and easier to where in the moment when you're faced with a situation, whether it's a positive situation or a negative situation, you can pause and say, what effect are my words and my attitude going to have on how I show up in this world? Because there's a ripple effect that happens. And is that the ripple effect I want? Or do I need to choose something better? I love this idea of pausing and just um, breathing before we react or even response. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a very good advice. Do you consider gratitude a spiritual practice? Mm, Very much so. I think that Again, again, as I said in the beginning, gratitude is interchangeable with love for me. And at the end of the day, that's who God is. And when we can give gratitude for the people and the places and the situations we're facing, positive, negative, even kind of neutral things that we're facing, it's creating a love for life for where you are on your journey. It's having appreciation to a source higher than yourself. Um, it's connecting and recognizing that everything has a purpose and is serving you. And it's a gift if you choose to look at it that way. Wow. I love your words. Speaking of words earlier. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, they're so uplifting. <laughs> Would you like to add anything before I ask you my final questions or read a passage in one of your books? No, I think, man, we've covered so much. But really for me, at the end of the day, it's just if we can all learn to love ourselves just even 1% more than we do currently, imagine the ripple effect it would have on the world. True. Thank you so much for your wonderful, profound, beautiful message. Yes. Thank you. How do you define success? What is to be successful to you these days? Success is making an impact for me. If I can, through my work or just showing up, or um, you know, standing in line at a grocery store, if I can have an impact on another person and cause them to pause and take a step back and maybe evaluate their life and where they are, then I think that that is success for me. It doesn't have to equate to money and it doesn't have to equate to title, which was really hard for me to come, overcome because I came from the corporate world where those things were so prevalent. Um, so I've had to kind of unlearn that and recognize that me just showing up as myself, if I can make an impact in somebody's day and help them to choose something better for themselves or love themselves a little bit more, then that's successful. Two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Absolutely not. Um, I have been able to look back at my journey and with no regrets. And I know that everything I've done has led me to right where I am today. And I am so happy with that. And if I left my physical form today, I know that 
there's a legacy that will be left behind and that I will have had an impact on this world in ways beyond what I even know. Mm. Right. Yes. And my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Three things I know about life for sure. Um, It's an adventure. It's a journey. And it can be really fun if you allow it to be. So I know that for certain. I know that we are all wired for connection. In this human form, we um, weren't meant to walk this journey alone. I need my own time where I can reflect and be alone, but I also need others. I think we serve humanity in that way. And then the other thing that I know for sure about life is that um, we have an abundance of time. I think so many people feel like there isn't enough time. And if they were really to pause and look around, uh, we have an abundance of time at our fingertips. I think time's an illusion and this life is what you make it. So use your time as you see fit. Mm. I love your wisdom, Mandy. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Beautiful presence. Very energized. (laughs) You woke me up. (laughs) I needed. I have one more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yeah, I uh, hang out on Instagram a lot as Mandy Briggs, and you can find me at simplymandy.com. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Mandy. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Mandy Briggs and her work, please visit simplymandy.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.